Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Now here's Pastor Crystal Sparks. that series and uh, Pastor Brian kicked it off last week and he just did phenomenal and so what we're doing in this series is it comes from Acts chapter 2 whenever the church was started um, it started with just these people gathered together and the Holy Spirit fell in the place and they all became baptized in the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues and basically he gets up and he preaches and he says this is that which was told by the prophet Joel and so what he was saying there is that this may not look like what you thought it was going to look like, but it is that that you are believing for. And so through this series, we're just talking about different ways that sometimes God shows up in our life and it doesn't look like quite what we thought it was going to look like, but it is that which we prayed for. So today we're going to be looking at John chapter nine and we're going to go in verse one here. It says, now as he passed along, he noticed a man blind from his birth. Verse six. And when he had said this, he spat on the ground, he being Jesus, and made clay mud with his saliva, and he spread it as an ointment on the man's eyes. And he said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. And so he went and washed, and he came back seeing. When the neighbors and those who used to know him by sight as the beggar saw him, they said, is this not the man that used to sit and beg? Isn't it amazing how most people in your life, they remember who you used to be? They they can see you as a standing miracle, but they still always are quick to remind you where you were when God found you. Come on, somebody. Verse 14, I've got a few of those in my life. Uh, Verse 14, it says, Now it was on the Sabbath day that Jesus mixed the mud and opened the man's eyes. And so now again, the Pharisees asked him how he received his sight. In other words, the Pharisees were mad that God decided to do something. Jesus decided to do something off of their timetable. They were upset that it wasn't on their timeline. It wasn't the way they wanted him to do it. They said, so how did he do this? And the man replies, he smeared mud on my eyes and I washed and now I see. Verse 24 It says, so the second time they summoned the man who had been born blind and said to him, now give God the glory and the praise. This fellow we know is only a sinner, a wicked person. And then he answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner or wicked or not. But one thing I do know that whereas I was blind before, now I see. So they said to him, what did he actually do to you? And how did he open your eyes? Isn't it amazing? A lot of times people will tell me, Crystal, I'd believe it if I could see it. No, you could see it and you still wouldn't believe it. Because here they are standing in front of a miracle and they're still saying, we still don't believe. Can we pray today as we get started? Jesus, we just thank you, Father, for this word. God, I just declare in this place that it is a God-appointed word at a God-appointed time. Father, I speak in this house that every ear be open and receptive, that every heart will be softened for the seed of the word of God. Father, declare in this house that every life will be changed, that no one will leave the same. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. 
You know, Brian preached an amazing word um, last week. And honestly, as I was preparing this word, I was like, God, I want a fun, awesome word like Pastor Brian preached. Brian preached an amazing message. If you weren't here last week, it was amazing. Go on the podcast, check it out. And so some words as a communicator that you preach are like really funny and they're awesome. And after you get done preaching them, you're like, that was a lot of fun. And then there's other words that you preach that are like the vegetables. And after you get done preaching it, you're like, okay, that was good but I'm glad it's over. Amen. <laughs> and But I feel like I've got a word that's going to inspire you. And I just challenge you just to lean in over the next few minutes as we really look at John chapter 9 and see what's happening here with this man. So I want to tell you a story as we open up. It's a story about a father that was very successful. Now, his father had a business, and he was very successful, and the business began to grow, and grow so much so that he spent more time at work than at home, which oftentimes happens in our lives, that we get the thing which we've been praying for, but it pulls us away from the very thing that we value most, which is our family. So the father had a son, his only son. He had one child, and that son he loved so much, but he just wasn't home with him much. The son grew up with a father who was present in the home, but absent in his life. And so he went through high school, graduated high school, went off to college. And while he was at college, really, honestly, he didn't have much contact with the father. It wasn't that there was anything against him. He just didn't really have a relationship with him. After you spent your life with a man in a home that you never really got to know, it's hard to really call him when you're now away. So he went through his college years not really having any conversation with his dad until his senior year. He came home for the holidays. And while he was home, him and his father really connected, connected on a deep level. The father realized how much he had neglected his son, and he made an attempt to restore the relationship while he was home for the holidays. As they sat there and spoke, the father asked him, he said, son, this is your senior year of college. You're about to graduate. He said, what would you like as a graduation present? Now, the father is very wealthy. He could buy the son anything that he asked for. And so the son was a wise son, and he said, let me think about it, and I'll let you know in a few days. That's my kind of guy, right? So if you can buy me anything, let me think about what I really want. And so he thought about it for a few days, and he thought about how nice it would be to have a sports car. There was a convertible sports car that he really liked. And so he went back to the father, and he said, this is what I would like as my graduation present. And the father said, okay, well, we'll see. So the months went on, and the son was just positive that the father was going to get him that sports car. You know, before, they never really had any conversation, and now they were having conversation while he was away. Their relationship was better than it had ever been. And so he was so excited, counting down the days for graduation to get this sports car. Well, graduation day came, and the father threw a big party at his house, had caterers and all kinds of stuff, a live band there, everything to celebrate the son's graduation. After the party was over, the father called the son into the study, and he said, I have a gift for you for your graduation. And the son was thinking, yes, I'm finally going to get my car. I'm so excited. The father pushes across the table a box, and it was wrapped beautifully with a bow on top. And the son opens up the box, opens up the packaging, opens the box, and inside there's a Bible. And the Bible has his name inscribed on the front. The son, in total disgust, pushes the box back across to the father. And he says, of all the things you could have gotten me, this is what you got me. You knew what I asked for. And you, it's like you, you found the cheapest way out. 
You got me this instead of getting what I wanted. You know what? Just forget it. You never even listen to me. You never really care about what I want. I'm just out of here. And the father pleaded for him to just stay, to just please open the Bible and just at least look at it. The son would not do it. He got his things, got in his car, and he left. The son went away that day, and he moved to another city, started his own business, and became successful in his own right. He found a girl, and they got married. He made no attempt to reach out to his father on the for, for the wedding to come. Had his first child, again, made no attempt to reach out to the father. Had his second son, and at the birth of his second son, he realized how much he missed his relationship with his father. He reached out to him, and the father, like a loving father, was so glad that he called. He said, I, honestly, I'm so glad that you finally reached out to me. I've been calling you all this time, and you've never returned my calls. So they began to talk back and forth, and the son felt it on his heart to go back home and be with his dad. His dad was getting older. So he made plans to go back home, and it was the week before the trip, and the father fell ill and had a heart attack in the middle of the night. The son got a phone call that his dad was now dead, and the son was just completely torn apart, regretting the time that was lost that he could have had with the father. He goes home. He's settling the estate as you do after a lost loved one passed away, getting everything from the estate settled. And he was sitting in his study, and he looked over on the shelf, and there sat a box. And the box looked familiar. He he recognized the box from his graduation night. He pulled the box off and opened it up, and there was the Bible that his father had given him. His name inscribed on the front. He pulls it out, and there was a bookmark to Matthew chapter 7. And his father had highlighted the verse, if you being evil know how to give your sons good gifts, how much more does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to them? He picks the Bible up out of the box and he holds it to his chest, just thinking about how much time he lost with his dad. The sports car, long distance memory at this point. And all of a sudden a key fell out from the Bible and landed on his feet with a tag that said paid in full. He goes out to the garage to look and see, and and there sat a car with a sheet over it. He pulls back the sheet, and there was the sports car he had wanted. And I say this to say that sometimes God gives us strangely wrapped gifts. The man didn't realize, the son didn't realize that what he held in his hand was the answer for what he's been asking for. It held the very thing that he wanted But because it didn't look like what he thought it should look like, he rejected it. And I think about how many times, I'll just be honest, I tell this story about this father and this son, not to shame the son, but to say, I've been that son before. And God's shown up in my life, and it wasn't the way I wanted him to show up, and it didn't look like what I wanted him to look like. And I've pushed it away in bitterness and frustration and walked away from the father. I've had pity parties where I've prayed and things don't happen the way I want them to and think, well, why even go to church? What's the use in going to church? Why even give? Why even serve? Why am I doing all this? And I've been like the sun and I've pushed it away and walked away. I don't think you have to be serving God for very long to agree that sometimes God likes to give us strangely wrapped gifts. Would you agree? Sometimes God does things that we don't understand. See, I found in my life that God often will offend the mind to reveal the heart. He'll show up in a way that you don't expect him to because he wants to reveal your heart and to see, do you really love him? Do you really trust him? You know, when I read the story about the blind man, I I think about him 
how he got a strangely wrapped gift. The Bible has the book of John, and John has 21 chapters in it. And one entire chapter John spends just writing about this blind man. Every other story about people being healed only takes a few verses. But John spends an entire chapter telling us about the story. I think he's telling it to us, and he never tells us the blind man's name. He never tells us where he's from. He doesn't give us a lot of details surrounding the story, because if we'll all just be real honest, we've all been the blind man. We've all been the one who was once blind, but now we see. And here he is, the Bible tells us that he's blind since birth. And Jesus shows up, and no doubt the blind man had heard about Jesus, sitting by the roadside begging. I'm sure he had heard about stories about the woman with the issue of blood. She touched the hem of his garment, and she was immediately made well. About how Lazarus was dead, and Jesus stood at the door of his tomb and called forth, Lazarus, come forth, and here comes Lazarus out of the tomb. I bet that was an amazing story as he sat there. He heard about people being raised from the dead, lame man walking, and here he is. He hears that Jesus is coming by. And the next thing he hears is Jesus hawking a loogie and making a mud pie. I mean, if there's a strangely wrapped gift, that's a pretty strangely wrapped gift. I mean, if you're going to receive a miracle from God, I don't know about you, but Robert, if I were to tell you, hey, come on down here and you're going to receive a miracle, just let me hawk this loogie and make this mud pie and stick it in your eyes. Would you want to be a part of that kind of miracle? I can be honest. I would want God to show up in my life in a lot of ways, but I would never think of it that way. See, Jesus showed up in his life in a really strange way and he's showing up in that strange way. And even the blind man had to have the faith to see that this is that, that it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like a miracle, but that's exactly what it was about to be. And so many times in our life, when we're going after God and and we're believing God for great things, if we'll just be real honest, sometimes things seem like they get worse instead of get better. Here he is, he's sitting by the roadside begging, the Bible tells us, and he's blind. Now, Butch, I don't know about you, but have you ever gotten something in your eye before? It's awful. I'll get just an eyelash in my eye, and you're doing everything you can to get it out. How many contacts people we have in here? You get something underneath your contact, and you're like, Jesus, help us all. Like, it is terrible. Or you're walking down the road on a windy day, and dirt blows in your eyes, and you can't see a thing. Now, imagine this. You're blind. You already can't see, but at least you're comfortable because you're sitting by the roadside begging. And now Jesus goes, hey, I'm going to hawk a loogie, make a mud pie, and stick it in your eyes. Now I'm uncomfortable, and I'm still blind. See, he didn't receive the miracle right away. In fact, things seem like they got worse. And sometimes when you start believing God, you'll find story after story in the Bible that their situation didn't get better immediately. In fact, it actually gets worse before it gets better. Think about Daniel in the lion's den. That's such a sweet story, isn't it? Daniel refuses to bow his knee to anyone else but the Lord. And he's praying and believing God. He's honoring God. And what does he get for his reward? He's going to get thrown in a den with lions overnight. Okay, how many of y'all know that does not feel like a miracle? That's not very comfortable to be in with some hungry lions. But here's the thing. is In his place of discomfort, God showed up and did a great thing. See, and a lot of times in our own life, we'll get uncomfortable and we'll think there's no way that God is moving in the middle of this. But I'll just encourage you that if you're in a season of your life where you feel like things are getting worse, 
you're probably on the road to your miracle. Because the thing is, is that the enemy never attacks where there is no spoil. And he knows that if he can get you back to hunger for a place of comfort, but God's always going to call you out of your place of comfort to discomfort so you'll actually seek after him. So here this guy is, his life is actually getting worse, but yet he's choosing to trust God. John chapter 9, verse 7. Let's look at this together. It says, and he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Okay, let's just pause right there. Did he say go wash in the pool and you're going to be healed? Did he say go wash in the pool and all your problems are going to go away? Everything's going to be awesome. It's going to be rainbows and unicorns. No, there was no promise attached to that. He just had to go in faith that God was going to do something good. See, we read the story thinking about the end of the story, but he went with no promise of things being any different than what they've always been. The only thing he knew is he was going to get mud out of his eyes. He knew that for sure. He knew that he was going to get the mud out of his eyes, but he had no for sure at the end of the story. I'll tell you that faith will never reduce uncertainty in your life. It will never reduce uncertainty. Sometimes you're going to step out and nothing's going to make sense and it's not going to add up. But I refuse to serve a God that I can use logic to understand. Because if I can use logic to understand him, that means he's the same as me. And I serve a God that the Bible says that his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His thoughts are greater than my thoughts. So that means sometimes I'm going to step out to follow him and nothing makes sense in the natural. It all looks totally ridiculous. And I'll just encourage you that if you're in a time and a season in your life that God's stirring you to do something and logic, it doesn't add up, then you're probably on the right path. You're probably doing the right thing. You know, whenever God called us to start our church, that was a strangely wrapped gift. It did not make sense. Move to a city you do not know with no money, no people, no building and go start a church in Jesus name. Amen. Like that doesn't sound very awesome, right? But yet we just trusted God. Even though we didn't have all the answers, we still went after it anyways. Do not, um, he didn't say that he was going to be healed. And think about this. He didn't send him with a guide. Now, just think about how cruel it would be if I pulled a blind person out from the congregation right now, spit in their eyes with mud, and then said, hey, go find your way to North Park Mall and then come back. Y'all would think I was cruel, right? A blind person walking down the road with no guide, no directions, no nothing. Y'all would be like, I'm leaving this church. This lady's crazy. Hey, side note, there's a pastor friend of ours that for real spit in a guy's eyes because he was hoping that he would be healed. The guy didn't get healed and he was very upset afterwards. So moral of the story is before you spit in somebody's eyes, you better know it's God. Amen. But y'all would think I'd be really rude, right? But here's the thing is a lot of times in our life when we go after what God's called us to do, it's a lonely place. There's nobody there along the journey. He went out by himself. And the next thing I want to tell you is that he didn't tell him how to get there. He didn't even tell him how to get there. He didn't at least say, hey, go down this street and then go right and you'll go down a little ways and then go left. He didn't even tell him how to get there. In other words, sometimes in faith, you're not, you're not going to feel like you have the people you need. You're not going to feel like you're smart enough, talented enough, gifted enough, whatever enough. And then you're going to feel like a lot of times that you don't even have a sure promise. You don't even have a sure outcome of what's going to happen. But can I just encourage you to do it anyways, even in those moments? In that mud was his key. 
In that strangely wrapped gift was his key for his miracle, but he had to step out and go after it. Now, let me just ask you a question. If he would have decided to go home and take a bath instead of going where Jesus asked him to go, he would have still been fine, right? He would have gotten the mud out of his eyes, but he wouldn't have seen the miracle. In our life, I want to tell you something. Every miracle from God is bought for by obedience. It's paid for by obedience. When we obey what Jesus tells us to do, a lot of times we don't see the more that God has because we're not willing to obey with the last thing he asked us to do. When he speaks, just be willing to do it. Whatever it is, miracles never feel like a miracle when you're in the middle, but they're always worth it in the end. Our temptation whenever we get these strangely wrapped gifts is to shove them back at the Father, just like the son in the beginning of the story. To say, this isn't what I prayed for. You know, that blind man could have said, you know, really, this is cruel and unusual treatment. This isn't what I prayed for. I didn't want to get mud in my eyes and then sent down the road by myself with nobody around. But he chose to believe anyways. How many times in your life have you rejected God's gifts? Because it didn't show up how you want. Because if we'll all just be real honest, we are so good at making these little boxes for God and say, God, this is how you're going to move, and this is when you're going to do it, and this is what it's going to look like. And then when it doesn't show up like that and Jesus deletes your spreadsheet because he really doesn't care about your plan, come on, I'm a plan person, and he doesn't care about my plan, you get offended, you get your feelings hurt. Well, I'm not going to go to church anymore. God's like, the only person it hurts is you. Doesn't hurt me. Well, I'm not going to pray anymore. What's the use? I'm not going to give anymore. What's the use? Guys, let me just tell you, having that kind of attitude is never going to get you to the end. Inside every strangely wrapped gift is the key to your next miracle. If you'll only believe and do what he asks you to do. Maturity is this. Is God, I trust you even when I don't understand. God, I trust you even when I don't understand. I don't have to understand you to trust you. It doesn't have to make sense for me to take you at your word. So what do we take away from this? I want you to write down these three things. Number one, my faith is not in my plans, but it is in God's purpose. My faith is not in my plans, but it is in God's purpose. I'm a planner And that's just the way I am. I try not to be, but I plan. And I've got this box without knowing it that I try to put Jesus in. And just being honest, the last few weeks of being a pastor has been really difficult for us. Because God just really doesn't care about my plans at all. Um, He pays no attention to them. And I was so believing God for us to break ground in November. We had been working our buns off to break ground in November. And I was like, man, this is going to be awesome. We're going to launch our heart for the house campaign and God's going to bring the money in that we need and we're going to break ground in Jesus name. Amen. Like this is going to be awesome. It's going to be so incredible. And then the structural engineer is like, Hey, I'm not going to have all your numbers in time. So sorry about that. And so then we're talking with them and we realize it's going to be more like January before we can go into our heart for the house campaign to bring in the money that we need to break ground. I was just disappointed. If I'll be honest with y'all, I went to the Lord and I was having a pity party before God. How many of y'all ever don't pray, you just whine? Come on. You're not praying, you're just whining. And I was whining to God and I was like, God, this just isn't fair. Like we're giving everything for your kingdom. And like this is the same Jesus who died and hung on a cross. And I'm saying I'm giving everything. But anyways, 
And I'm like, God, you know, this is what I really wanted. And I just felt the Lord just say in a moment, he said, and so who says I can't provide for you without your heart for the house campaign? The last time I checked, this is my church. And I'm going to prepare and plan for my church. And I'm going to take care of my church. And I can do it in a minute. I don't have to have your plan on how I'm supposed to move, to move. I'm still God and you're not. And all of a sudden I realized, man, how quickly I had made a box for God to fit in. And so I met with my staff and I was like, you know what? We're leaving November as breaking ground on our dream board at the church. Because we're believing God in Jesus' name that everything's going to be fine. Because why? Because God has a greater plan than what we have. And it doesn't matter if I, my plans fail, God's purpose prevails and I'm not going to trust in my plans. So when things don't work out the way I want them to work out, I'm not going to have a pity party, shove the gift back at the father and storm out of the room. I'm going to hold on to that gift. Cause I know inside that gift, there's a key for what I need. Can I get an amen? The next thing I want you to write down is just because God is silent. It doesn't mean he isn't working. Just because God's silent doesn't mean he isn't working. And if you're going through a season where you feel like God's quiet, how many of you guys have ever been there? You like pray, you don't hear anything, you open your Bible, you don't hear anything, you come into worship, there's no chill bumps, there's no nothing. You're like, God, are you even there? Am I saved? Have you ever, I thought that. I've gone through that as a pastor. I'm like, am I saved? Um, And I'll just say, I go through seasons in my life where God is so speaking audibly, and it is so sweet, and I love it, except for when he's rebuking me. That's never fun. Um, But there's seasons where he's speaking so audibly, but then there's other times where he's quiet. And if you find yourself in a season where it feels like he's quiet, you're in good company. I want you to think about Jesus as he hung on the cross. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In other words, what he's saying is, on the way to my miracle, it seems like things got worse instead of getting better. On the way to doing what you told me to do, everything in my body is screaming in pain, and everything in my mind feels like you're gone, and your voice is silent from me. But how many of you guys know that God was working on Jesus' behalf as he hung on the cross? And so if you find yourself in a season where you feel like God's quiet, and it seems like he's not speaking. Just know that you're in good company. Jesus felt like that too. And God still loved him. And he did a miracle. And he's going to do the same for you. The next thing I want you to do, write down is keep doing the last thing God asked you to do. When you're on the way to your miracle, just keep doing the last thing God asked you to do. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other, doing what God asked you to do. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us how long it took for the man to get to the pool of Siloam, but no doubt it took quite some time because even the people, when they saw that he was healed, remarked, isn't this the man that used to be blind that would sit at the roadside begging? In other words, they talked about it like it happened a long time ago. Like it wasn't just yesterday or this afternoon. They were talking about it like it had been some time. So I'll just submit to you that we don't know how long that man walked blind before he was able to see. Each day was a step of faith. And a lot of times I found in my own life, sometimes it takes several years to get your suddenly God did something big. Sometimes it takes several weeks. And I know that isn't a real encouraging, awesome word, but there's times where you pray and you believe and you feel like God's not gonna do anything and you just keep doing the last thing he asked you to do. What's the last thing God asked you to do? 
Because here this man is, he's on the journey, everything's silent, he doesn't hear Jesus, nobody's there to cheer him on along the way, and he just kept walking towards the pool. Why? Because that's the last thing the Lord told him to do. What's the last thing God told you to do? Maybe it's to go to that community group. You felt like you were supposed to start community groups. Pastor Brian's always talking about community groups. I'm always talking about community groups. And you thought, I'm going to go to community groups, but let's just be honest, your schedule got busy and you haven't been able to go. Maybe it's time to do that. Maybe it's joining the church. You felt like you were supposed to go through next steps. God kind of spoke it to your heart that it was time to make the next step. But be honest, life got busy. You haven't done it. Or maybe it's just that you've been feeling like it's time for you to start reading the Bible for yourself. And you've been feeling God speaking to you to do that. Just set your alarm clock five minutes earlier and Wake up and open up the Bible and begin to talk to God of all creation. What's the last thing God told you to do? Just do that. And as you keep doing that, I promise you this, you're going to get to the place that he asked you to go. And when you get there, you're going to get the miracle you've been believing God for. Amen. Can you stand to your feet? When I was in, um, me and Brian, we went to Las Vegas, not to gamble, but for a church conference. (laughs) People always think we're joking when I say that. And then my name's Crystal Sparks, so they always think I'm a performer. Every time I go there, they're like, what show are you in? I'm like, no, this is my real name. No, but really, no, seriously, Crystal Sparks is my name. And then I show them my driver's license, and they're like, oh. And then I tell them I'm a pastor, and they're like, why are you here? But we were in Vegas, and um, a man prophesied of this over us. And, man, I was just big tears. And I hope it speaks to your heart, too. It's out of Ezekiel chapter 12. And it says this, But say to them, The days at hand and the fulfillment of every vision is now. For there shall be no more false, empty, and fruitless vision or deviation in the house of Israel. For I am the Lord, and I will speak the word that I shall speak, shall be performed and come to pass. It shall be delayed no longer, for in your days you will see the word of the Lord performed. Therefore say to them, thus says the Lord God, there shall be no more words deferred any longer, delayed or prohibited from coming to you. Everything. Every word which I have spoken will be performed, says the Lord God. I want to just declare over this place, if you'll just bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here in this place and you say, Crystal, that's me. I've got some strange presence from the Lord. I've gotten some unusual wrappings from the Lord where things showed up and it didn't look like what I prayed for. It didn't look like what I was believing for. But I'm believing for a key in this. I'm believing for a key in this hard situation. I'm believing for God to turn this situation around. If that's you in this place, can you just lift your hand? Lift your hand. I see hands all over the room, hands all over the room. I declare over you just I did, just like he did for us. I declare there will be no longer any delay on the word that the Lord called. That everything that the Lord commanded will come to pass in Jesus' name. 
that it will no longer be prohibited from coming to you. But God, I just thank you that right now, that God, you are gonna show yourself faithful in their life, that Lord, our trust is in you. Father, we declare in this place that even when we can't see you, and even when we don't understand, and even when we're uncomfortable, and even when everything in our mind is screaming for us to quit, God, we just choose to trust you and to trust your word. God, I thank you every person in this place as they begin to look to you in these strangely wrapped gifts, that God, you're gonna show them that this is that, and that inside of this is the key for that. And God, I thank you that in this place, Lord, we loose every blessing. Lord, I thank you that everything they've been believing God for will surely come to pass. Lord, I just declare it's going to be a quick turnaround that Father, right now, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, At The Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at thechurchrc.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at thechurchrc. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, you can email us at amen at thechurchrc.com.